You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always typical lydia today's show it is christmas horror masterpiece time 1980s you better watch out brackets christmas evil oh 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 which just makes me kind of sad that we didn't get to watch better watch out the 2017 film because (laughs) it's not in canada on the netflix or anything like that so on the netflix yeah no it's not as a matter of fact it's actually kind of frustrating and i had i had that uh blu-ray in my hot little hand and i didn't pick it up and now all of a sudden that's what everyone's talking about so i'll probably have to go back to the store and get it in perfect canadian style we are watching the 1980 better watch out right (laughs) you better watch out yeah or christmas evil as it's mostly known today now it is our christmas episode so you're going to be seeing this on a weird day trying to get this out by Christmas Eve. And it's the 23rd. It is the 23rd. It is is Christmas Eve Eve. But Lydia's game, I'm game, and I know you're all game. It's like Christmas shopping. It's because we're not out there in the throng doing Christmas things. We're cramming Christmas in our own way. That's right. That's right. And, you know, there's there's horrible lineups. Mall Santa's going apeshit. Children kicking your knees. My dad had a story. I don't know if I've told this. Maybe I tell this story every year. My dad had a horrifying story about trying to get a Cabbage Patch Kid for my sister one year for Christmas. And he had to fight an old lady for it. And she hit him with her cane. Like something out of a, a sitcom. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. That's probably like my, my parents were very proud of the Cabbage Patch Kid dolls that they got me and my sister. And maybe they'd gone through bullshit like that. And that's why they were so goddamn proud. Oh, yeah. Being able to have these things under the tree. Well, they're like ancient warriors that would kill a bear and wear its pelt. So, you can, so your dad just walks into the room with like Cabbage Patch Kid shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty much it. That's the same sort of fanfare we woke up to Christmas morning. And it was sort of like, you better like them fucking dolls. Yeah, these better be the greatest. This this is it for the next 10 years of Christmas. Just cart this out every year. Because that's how we people died on a mountain hill for you to have this. Flash forward a decade later to when I find it in my closet and I dress it up like a prostitute. And even take, I even took red nail polish and put it on her little cabbage patch kid vagina. Well, the good news about that is... Question mark? I have you're nothing. You're digging, you're digging. Yeah, I you're got looking nothing. for good news. The good news is that I had a holly jolly Christmas. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And for a, a reasonable fee, someone can have a, a good holly jolly Christmas with that Cabbage Patch Kid. Yes. If they're into that. <laughs> oh, God. I know, yeah. But she looked cool otherwise. She had sort of a Susie Sue look to her otherwise. I like it. it. I like it. I feel it. And what I like, it's he's got that creativity. That you were destined for. Mm-hmm. Using part of my old Dracula cape to make her an outfit. <laughs> creativity right there. Uh, there was a little creativity going on here. Last week was my birthday, like birthday episode aside, uh, where we did last winter. Uh, me and Chris had our last visit of the winter mm-hmm. um, because we couldn't, we both work for Christmas and stuff like that. 
and we decorated a Christmas tree. I like it. I know that you've had the black Christmas tree. I knew that it existed, although I don't think the last two years you've put it up, to my knowledge. No, I had a, I have a larger Christmas tree that oh, okay. I normally put up. I, th- I got rid of that Christmas tree because it was okay. old. Uh, I had had a little black Christmas tree in an urn that was really gorgeous for years before that. So then I, I got this small Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. It is very small, but I mean, it's fine. It's sort of, I, I've learned now that people can have Christmas trees in their bedroom, thanks to this movie. So <laughs> I, that could be my bedroom Christmas tree in years to come. Who knows? But it was fun to decorate and it's uh, it's festive and cute. I like it. And if you go to my Instagram of, I think it's dead air, dead underscore air 83 you can see a picture of at least the skeleton on top. Yeah, I'll post a picture of it uh, closer to Christmas proper mm-hmm. too. So by the time you're listening to this, there'll be pictures of this little tiny Christmas tree. <laughs> it's very barren, very barren. It's not as fun as the big crazy gothy Christmas trees. And I might not be a big Christmas fan, but I like looking at ornaments and stuff. I like shiny things. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So seeing uh, Christmas trees and this movie has a lot of Christmas trees in it. Uh, which is kind of cool. And a lot of like vintage ornaments. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was very into Christmas. My mother was very into Christmas. And so I've seen a lot of the, the stuff that you see in this film. Especially those red string colored ornaments. Mm. Did you have those on your tree? We did. We had one. It was our favorite ornament. There, There's a couple of ornament stories. Uh, process of decorating a Christmas tree and ornaments and all that kind of stuff was pretty much my favorite aspect of Christmas. I loved decorating the Christmas tree. I loved doing it as a family. As we grew older, it got whittled down to me. And, <laughs> and I remember the the last couple of years, I really decorated the tree on my own. But the point of me bringing that up was we had a couple of famous ornaments. And one of them was it was a little green ball that had those weird hippie red strings dangling down off of it with beads, almost as if it was one of those bead door parishions. Okay. Very tacky, very 70s. And we called it the octopus. It wasn't an octopus. It didn't look anything like an octopus. But in the same way a constellation can look like something, maybe this could also look like an octopus. It's a Christmas octopus. It was our Christmas octopus. We also had... An evil Santa Claus. Nice. We had, so there was two identical Santa Claus ornaments that we had. One was traditional Santa Claus. He was kind of waving and he had the red and the white get up, black boots, whatever. Then there was another Santa Claus in the exact same pose, but this one was dressed all in gold and it was a shimmering gold spangled he was he would shine if the light hit him and for for me that was the evil (laughs) santa claus yeah and and so we would always we would swap with my brother who gets to put up the good santa claus this year and if you did good santa claus last year then you had to put up evil santa claus the next year after that so yeah there's yeah, I know. There's that's what the thing I love about Christmas is is seeing what everyone's thing is. Yeah, everyone has like everyone. Yeah, it's very tribal, right? Everyone has their own exact variation of Christmas rituals, right? And sometimes it's ornament placing. Sometimes it's what you eat. Sometimes it's what you watch. Sometimes it's when you open presents. Sometimes it's uh, bottle picking for a week beforehand so you can afford that Mickey of cheap whiskey. And yeah, there you go. Picking meat from bones in a dumpster. Yeah, you never know, man. You never know. It's all about rituals. Yeah, man. I have like this really, really rotten looking 
chipped and sad little tiny baby Jesus that's probably from the 30s that used to hang on the tree. Because we had a lot of heirloom ornaments. <laughs> yeah. And it could even be older than that. It could be from Germany. It could be 1800s, like late 1800s, 1860s. Like, it looks that old that it very well could be. But it's at the very least from the 30s. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's lovely stuff. But yeah, on a, on a sadder note, um, people will see, see my Twitter is still full of tweets relating to the Tess Ritchie homicide. Please share them. You know, mm. That's all I can say. There has been a lot of sharing. There hasn't been a lot of information, though. It was November 25th when she went missing and was found subsequently murdered. And they have released images of the guy... No, I didn't mention it on the last episode, but it's still ongoing and pretty soon we'll be coming up on a month on Christmas itself, which mm-hmm. is extremely sad to have no information. So just keep sharing images of the man who was last seen with Tess Ritchie and hopefully we'll have some news soon or at least he would come forward with information if in fact he was the last person to see her alive. Hopefully. In in cases like this, it's it, it's very important that as much information is done as quickly as possible. The sad part about murder cases is that by the time you're getting into the couple of weeks, one month uh, period, evidence becomes less reliable, people's memories become less reliable, and every day the case just gets that much harder to solve. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really imperative that uh, people that have information come forward. I keep wishing the Ritchie family togetherness and family since she'd gone missing all i could wish is that rachel was around family and i continue to wish that so if anyone has um a lack of christmas wishes to send out send all of your christmas wishes to the Ritchie family yeah and the other thing with it being canada and people looking for a particular man or trying to recognize a particular man someone had pointed out that it is winter in toronto he's probably wearing a parka and a hat and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so it doesn't really help and People's and can change like growing in a beard. I see you're growing in a beard. It's that time of year. People want to keep their faces <laughs> warm. Maybe this gentleman is doing the same thing. Assuming he was even from the area, who knows where he is right yeah. now? So right? share it, you know, especially if you're going home for the holidays. It's not the most comfortable dinner conversation by any means, but it helps to spread the word and keep her on your mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's on our mind right now is, of course, Christmas, because we're standing here looking at a Christmas tree. Just finished watching Christmas Evil from 1980. I was five when this movie mm-hmm. came out. So I keep thinking that I remembered portions of this. Mm-hmm. There is a, you know, everyone's got movies where they remember just a glimpse of it when they were very young and they can't place what film it was at all. I have a glimpse of a, a, a dirty face looking, sweaty face Santa looking in a window maniacally. And that's all I was allowed to see of whatever movie this was my mom was watching. And we were kind of hoping that it was Christmas Evil because it Mm -hmm. comes out at around the time Mm -hmm. when my mom would have been watching horror films that I would have caught a glimpse of that Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to watch. It wasn't this film, sadly. Yeah, it's it's hard to say. I was thinking that it's possible that it was all through the house, the, the short Tales from the Crypt section from the 1972, if memory serves me film it could be that because it is a story about a person dressed as santa claus menacing a woman and i do believe there are stalking scenes that involve looking through the window and this person is particularly filthy so so, sounds about right it, it could be that 
I, I mean, it could be Silent Night, Deadly Night, but this that was that's a newer movie. Yeah, I don't think that was it. I really don't think that was it. There's nothing because that, that guy's not even dirty in that movie. No. Um, I really, it was a filthy, scary, like maniac looking. And if you're looking for something that blends Elf and Scrooge and Maniac all in one, <laughs> Christmas Evil is a really good one. The one thing that I did note though, throughout, aside from ones made of plastic and lights, is a distinct lack of reindeer. Yeah. Not a lot of reindeer. Considering the end of this film, where there is a <laughs> conspicuous lack of reindeer, but we'll we'll get to that. But um, if I had reindeer, like I, I love the names of the traditional reindeer, even though there's no real um, historical reason for the names of these reindeer. It all comes from a children's story. But if I had reindeer, do you want to know what they'd be called? I'm on fucking pins and needles lids because I, I legit. This is not. This is not shtick. I literally have no idea the names that she's going to say. So I'm excited. I was thinking of this all through the movie. All through the movie. <laughs> what would I name my horror reindeer if I had horror? Because this guy definitely needs reindeer. But would he name them the traditional names? Of course he would. Would he be fun enough to come up with his, you know, maybe he would name them after all the good kids. Mm. So I named mine after all the good kids. On Michael, on Jason, Dracula, and Regan. On Pinhead, Leatherface, Frankenstein, and Wolfman. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have an evil Rudolph? Captain Spaulding. Oh my God. Yeah. It was either that or Pennywise. Well, and Pennywise is not. I don't he's find got him the, scary. He's, he's friendly, and I. He's got the red out. nose. Yeah, he's got a red nose, but Captain Spaulding's so much more fun. And Captain Spaulding, you get him drinking, can also have a red nose. Yes, true. He wakes up <laughs> with a red nose. It is a very good Rudolph, though. I wouldn't see him wanting to be Rudolph. Captain Spaulding would be on that. <laughs> like a hooker that's pretty good that's pretty good yeah i first encountered this film not that long ago this is not one of those picks from my childhood this was actually one of the first picks that i ever did for splatter pictures when originally six years ago almost seven years ago now the first christmas rolled around i was obsessed with the idea about doing Christmas reviews, but I also didn't want to do something that everybody knew, even though I ended up doing more reviews that month with some very famous horror Christmas stuff. I think I did Black Christmas and I did Nightmare Before Christmas as well, but which are, which are way more nostalgic to me than Christmas Evil. But Christmas Evil was me deep diving, trying to find something that people agree is very good, but isn't really on a lot of people's radar. Mm-hmm. So I did a little research. It didn't take me that long. And Christmas Evil seemed all right to me. I had no idea what kind of movie I was getting myself into. Because even the poster, when I was looking up the poster, it's it looks really generic. It almost looks like the same poster that would be Santa Claus Conquers the Martian. It's that type of art to it. Like an old holiday card, except he's holding an axe. And when you look at still images of the movie, it again doesn't really impart any kind of tone. And so I sat down and I watched it. And I can't remember if at the time old Penny Pincher West didn't ha- uh, had to either watch it on YouTube or I might have torrented it. I'm not exactly sure. But I watched it and I really liked it. And I really liked it in a way that was thinking this is not kitsch this is they're not going 
really for laughs, although there's some fucking funny ass scenes in it, in my opinion, they were really going for this haunting tone. And you said maniac. That's precisely what it reminded me of. Mm -hmm. A less violent version of... Far less. And slightly less sweaty, although he does have some really good breakdown moments that are very similar. Yeah, exactly. And, And his house doesn't look as filthy. As, as but there's dolls. It's still full of the same sort of things. Mm-hmm. All these things that are reinforcing his illness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In, instead of maniac, where you're dealing with a person who it seems a little bit more like a pack rat, Harry is a little bit more creepy dollhouse. Creepy dollhouse, and it's just, it just comes with the fact that he is pack ratting Christmas related items only. Mm-hmm. So it does automatically give a bit of a theme to his house, unlike Frank. And Frank's house is is kind of a mishmash with a lot of broken dolls and shit, wigs, bloody wigs. But also, we can't forget, Maniac takes place on Christmas. It does. It is a great Christmas movie. It's one of my favorite Christmas movies. This is a lot more Christmassy, though. And this, this is, is now a contender as far as a favorite Christmas movie of mine. Yeah. You know, well, and I'm, I'm glad you got a kick out of it. It is extremely atmospheric and it like you said you can watch this movie and and get a lot of like very christmasy generic christmasy things out of it like it's not a horror movie it's not totally dipped in blood at all there's a lot of scenes that are extremely christmasy and you had mentioned once while we're watching it that someone could walk in the room and be like oh yeah this is a wholesome wonderful christmas scene isn't it yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you get tricked by that over and over and over again in this Mm -hmm. film yeah especially watching Harry break down the way that he does and and you can really feel the menace as he is in character and he's the holly jolly old elf and that wants to preserve Christmas and really wants people to believe in Christmas in a way that they don't and that itself is frustrating he's almost like the ultimate war on Christmas savior who just wants everything to be traditional in the way that it was and for kids to believe in Santa Claus, but that's not the world that we live in and people are driven by greed and people have sex and there's all these things that are not Christmassy. So almost anything that is not Christmas related that invades his little Christmas bubble that he's got going on is something to be shunned and something to be the source of frustration where he is a coiled spring in the most basic terms because he's shaking with tension Mm -hmm. when he's just thinking about how frustrated he is that people don't get the magic of Christmas. And Santa Claus is coming to town. You've got to understand. Oh my God. Yeah. My God is right. If anyone else out there is a big penny pincher as well, uh, this is on Shudder. We watch it courtesy of our friends at Shudder Canada. Yeah, so Shudder Canada. Shudder. And thanks, I guess, to Vinegar Syndrome for putting out maybe the second film that I've ever enjoyed uh, from Vinegar Syndrome. So this is cool. Uh, Synapse put one out too. There's another release as well. Um, from what I understand, John Waters had fought to have this back in his uh, coffer. Oh, somewhere. yeah. So, yeah. This is a John Waters related film. I can see why. And and what I've noticed this year is more people talking about Christmas evil than I've ever seen before. I don't know if it's because I pay more attention to social media these days than I normally ever did back in the past. But it seems that when our horror community is sharing what they're enjoying in the holiday season, 
I have things that I expect to see. I expect to see Black Christmas. I expect to see Gremlins. I expect to see Nightmare Before Christmas. I expect to see Silent Night, Deadly Night, and even the Black Christmas remake people seem to really get a kick out of. Christmas Evil is one of those films, which at the time when I did the original review on Splatter Pictures, precisely why I picked it was something that I didn't see anybody talking about. And I'm wondering if Shudder has a lot to do with that. It is access is the mother of exploration. And, and I think that's what they did with Blood Rage, too. We covered Blood Rage and yeah. it had just come out and on a re-release a rare re-release and it was one of those weird finds where no one seemed to have ever heard of it or watched it before and then poof it's on shutter and then everyone and their dog is talking about it and i hope everyone and their dog was talking about our fucking impeccable review of that film yeah 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 and and i it really is that right and i know that this year the big release from screen factory was Silent Night, Deadly Night. That was the thing that they released, and it had a NECA figure and everything like that. So I kind of assumed that that this year was going to be eclipsing everything. But it seems I'm seeing a lot more uh, Christmas Evil stuff, and of course the the you better watch out. That seems to be the hot new the newness right yeah, now. Yeah, better watch out. Everyone everyone wants to see, and I had wanted to see it uh, heading into this, but I just couldn't unfortunately. But mm-hmm. that is definitely on the list because I've heard nothing but good things, and. You know, I would have nothing but good things to say about this, too. So if mm-hmm. anyone's making a double feature of it, like they should, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Christmas Evil is crazy amounts of fun. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. What was this movie even about anyways? Mostly about, like, you summed it up really well about what um, what's driving Harry. But it's really, really, truly, honestly about how you better crush the dreams of every girl and boy and make it very fucking clear to these imps that Santa does not fucking exist. <laughs> he fucking doesn't. <laughs> now if, you, if your little ones are listening to the show, uncover their ears right now. Yeah, Santa yeah. doesn't exist. Earmuffs, kids. Earmuffs. No, 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 no. Get rid of the earmuffs. Santa does not exist. Uh, okay. Yeah. Did you ever believe in Santa Claus? Yeah. <laughs> I did. Um, I I did too. We had it reinforced for like a year after I was told that there was no Santa Claus. My dad went through great pains that year. And I don't know why it affects parents like this. And parents out there, don't let it affect you. As soon as your kids figure out that Santa doesn't exist, breathe a big sigh of relief and, and remind them daily that Santa doesn't exist. We were told that Santa didn't exist. And I guess my father felt that it was a little too soon. So he he tried to miracle on 34th Street, you? Well, I don't know. I've never seen that film. So what he did is he wrote a note on brown paper and he tea stained it and he burnt the edges. So it looked like oldy, old time paper, I guess. And wrote a note to me and my sister uh, thanking us for being so good this year and that the cookies were delicious. And he took two skis and shoved them across the yard and took the butt of his rifle and made what looked like a whole bunch of deer prints. All around like reindeer prints. Oh, I got you. So it's the sleigh. So it was the sleigh went across our yard. So when we found the note in the morning and doubted the veracity of the note, he could say, what, what, what note? I don't know what you're talking about. What note? Look out in the yard. That's what I'm concerned about. Someone drove a sleigh and ate tiny reindeer through the front yard. And I think it went up on the roof. <laughs> you know? I was hearing that. The clip clopping the telltale sounds of reindeer. Yeah. So, of course, we ran to the, the cousin that had told us that Santa didn't exist and waved this note in his face. Evidence. 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 I don't remember 
the moment when I didn't believe in Santa Claus. I remember rituals of leaving Santa Claus a sandwich, not cookies. And I don't know if we left milk. I don't think it would have been. I don't think we would have left Santa a beer, even though maybe that's what my dad. We would left have Santa whiskey. Oh yeah, warm them up. Yeah, and we left a little bowl of brown sugar for the reindeer. That was the. That's adorable. That was the idea, and I remember believing in Santa Claus, but I but I think maybe it was one year I just decided, yeah, yeah, of course Santa Claus doesn't exist. But I don't remember it being this huge revelation. I don't remember a kid at school telling me. I don't know. Maybe just through osmosis, because you see a lot of TV and movies that all, generally speaking say that Santa Claus doesn't exist. And then maybe sometimes at the end or whatever, like Miracle on 34th Street, the whole premise of that movie is Santa Claus doesn't exist. And then, of course, maybe he does wink at the camera. For me, I, I, it wasn't that big of a deal, I don't think. No, I think, you know, probably two hours after this note and, and like, reindeer tracks cross front yard, we probably didn't care so much about Santa anymore. We still got gifts marked from Santa. I think I got a gift last year that was one of them at least marked from Santa. My, there may or may not be presents in this house wrapped and marked from Auntie Santa. So my 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 roommate still says... My roommate writes from Santa on the gifts that he gives me for Christmas. Which is, I, I don't know, I think that that is the only healthy uh, use of the word Santa. Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we're introduced to Harry, he's just your regular workaday guy, works in a toy factory. He's a good dude. He's not so hairy, is he? He's not, he, as the name suggests, not as hairy as you'd think. He's clean shaven. In fact, when he shaves, he puts on a little shaving cream Santa beard. It's true. Now, he does have a hobby that one might consider controversial. He stares at children with binoculars and then writes down in two giant books, like embroidered with good girls and boys, bad girls and boys, two books, 1980, which means that he probably has 79, 78, 77. Like fucking yearbooks. So every year he's getting these books made. What do you think he's saying to the people that are getting these books bound for him? I think that he just makes them himself. Like he probably just goes and buys blank books from somewhere. Mm, God knows. I don't know. He's been in the manufacturing industry for quite some time because it uh, starts out with like 1954, I believe, when he was a little boy. And he sees some scarring or revelatory items it's really weird and i wasn't going to bring this up originally because i thought i was parroting an opinion and sometimes i can get into a groove where i'm talking and then later i'm saying wait was that really my opinion or did i just read that somewhere and now i'm just like it happens to the well-read it it, it happens so so i i often reference this book the horror of it all because i've read it so many times and i have an audiobook version keeps me company at work but the guy in it, the, the the author, Adam Rockoff, he's got a list and the list of like weirdest slasher triggers. The things where you're thinking, you know, a lot of times it's very easy to sympathize with a slasher in any movie because these fucking punk kids killed their brother, killed their son or. Well, Frank, let's like take like comparing Maniac. Very obvious trigger. And he explains it to you. So yeah, yeah. Surely. Just this horrible, abusive relationship with his mother. Yeah. This is a really weird trigger. And and I'm taking back I'm I'm t- I'm claiming this opinion because before I ever read that book, 
I wrote about it in the review. Yeah, so if you want to read the original review, splatterpictures.net, just do a search for Christmas Evil and you will find it there. You will find it, but it is so fucking strange. What ends up happening, their father dresses up as Santa Claus for Christmas. And it's not one of those things like in Gremlins where he's going to break his neck. I've been thinking of that all through this movie. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yeah, because that would be pretty appropriate if, late, if if he was the one that discovered Santa Claus's body. And this movie would have come first, so you can't say that they'd be aping Gremlins. So what ends up happening is young Harry and his younger brother, Philip, are sitting with their mother and there's Santa Claus doing his Santa Claus thing and, and it's like Twas the Night Before Christmas. And then they go up to sleep. Young Philip doesn't believe that that was Santa. It was her father. It was dad dressed up as Santa Claus. They have a little kid argument about it. They do. And Harry's not having it. Runs back downstairs. And uh uh-oh. Things are getting a little naughty this Christmas Eve. He saw mommy kissing Santa underneath the mistletoe at night. I think it's, it's more he saw Santa... Kissing mom on the vag. Yeah, basically. Basically, I guess. He's kind of just like smelling by he her crotch. He was on his way up there. He was on his way up there. Yeah. And she's, you her know. Her chimney. Of her chimney. Yeah. And and so he watches that, runs back upstairs, smashes a snow globe like it's Citizen Kane, and then cuts his hand instantaneously. So that's his moment in which... He's looking at Santa Claus. Santa Claus is his father. He's looking at his mother. And it's either he believe or he's frustrated or angry that Santa Claus has been sexualized. He is looking at something that he might not at this age fully understand. He's seven or eight years old at this point. Well, I don't know. I think everyone understands garter belts and fluffy slippers. With with clear heels on them and shit? Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Or that his parents lied to him. Yeah, Something. And and for someone who wants Christmas to be real so fucking bad, that earnestness that can only come from being a child, it falls flat. And not only was his brother unfortunately right, but in that moment, Christmas has been shattered. So now he has to erase it with blood. He has to erase it with blood or pain. Maybe the pain will distract from his discomfort his psychological trauma whatever have you cut to now this man is an adult and you might think well this guy fucking hates christmas you christmas christmas never comes in the harry household holy fuck it comes twice before it even puts his fucking cock in this guy's house he has got santa claus pajamas he has got santa claus accoutrement he has uh, an alarm clock, it seems, that is like a Christmas choo-choo train. Fucking A Christmas Christ. dollhouse. Let's yeah. not forget. Oh, my God. It's like he's fucking living in the Wonka house. And this is, uh, it says on the wall, 26 days till Christmas. This is basically Thanksgiving mm-hmm, when this starts mm-hmm. out. So this, I think that you're right in that it's a 24-hour-a-day, 365-day-a-year operation. This Christmas bullshit. Yeah. You know, I thought it couldn't get any worse until we discovered that he works at a toy factory for Fuck sakes, Jolly Dream Toys. Yeah. And it's basically an industrialized version, the 1980 um, modern version of elf work, basically, because yeah, they're basically. making Christmas toys. They're even, they're, their uniforms are even, they're wearing green, they have candy striped uh, little pockets, little pockets and yeah. shit on them. So, yeah, it is that. Like when back when the United States had a manufacturing industry, mm-hmm. you could have a job like this. And I suppose it makes sense if you are that into Christmas and toys. It's like how they say people with uh, necrophilia sometimes get into the uh, pathology 
Or mortuary business. Mortuary business and and stuff like that. So they can be around bodies. It's like that. Or at least greenskeepers at at cemeteries, which I think is somewhere a little more... Where they would be hanging out in the charnel house mm-hmm, more mm-hmm, often mm-hmm. and without uh, as much supervision. So if anyone's like looking to find your local necrophiliac, don't bother the funeral home so much as cemeteries. Yeah, go, yeah, go to the cemetery. But then, you know, you wonder about like right across the road. We have a store 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, seven days a week. Tinseltown. It is a Christmas store across the road. I didn't fucking... We walked past that when we were going to go get some food just a couple of weeks ago. And I literally never noticed it before. And you pointed it out to me. And I had this reaction. How could I have never seen it? You had a very visceral reaction. You almost jumped across the street to get away from it. Yeah, yeah. I know. It was crazy to me. And then you told me, and I thought it was a seasonal store, like with Halloween, you know, these... It's a pop-up store, yeah. Yeah, pop-up store. Spirit or something. Yeah, Spirit or something like that. Here you go. Go to this store from September to October 31st, and you get your fucking Jason masks and shit. No, you told me that this is a 24... Like, not 24-hour a day, but this is a 365-day store. So, my question is, so I could see from, let's say, September to December 25th, yeah, the place is probably popping, buy yourself some Christmas stuff, but it's May. Yeah. Who's going to that store? People do, and they sometimes have the doors open and they're playing Christmas music and you smell the pine. It's fantastic in a way that they're living this delusion all the time. I keep saying 24 hours a day, which is wrong. Yes, of course. It's a normal store with normal business hours could you just imagine 24 hour store yeah what if it's four o'clock in the morning july 21st and you need a fucking santa hat i'm freaked out that your store is open till midnight lately for all these people that need turkey so bad or whatever and they're there believe me people are shopping listen when my store went 24 hours they used to do that a couple of years there was fucking people in the store three o'clock in the morning where's my christmas cilantro Jesus Christ. But yeah, uh, this place, I want to open Halloween Town beside it, but you think mm. we get the same sort of traffic? No. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's... <laughs> you could, across the street, you should do it. I want to, so it was, badly. It, it was like when there was uh, downtown, there used to be that store Venus or whatever. It was It was like the lesbian bookstore. Yeah, Venus and Venus. It's just moved down and across the road. It's on Bank Street now. And it used to be across from it. Was a, a Bible store. Yeah. And I used to favorite. I used to envision, I was like, do the Bible people not like the Venus Envy people? Are they enemies? In North Bay, there's a, a strip club called Fanny's that was beside the Bible Society. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that type of stuff makes me smile. Yeah. But you know what doesn't make old Harry smile? What? Little boys looking at penthouse. Oh man, yeah. His his naughty list and nice list is is insane to me. I, I always envision Santa's lists to be just names. Mm-hmm. That's all he needs. He's a magic Santa Claus. This guy has a page devoted to each child, and in the naughty, he's very shitty about the naughty list because he writes down every goddamn thing that they do. Oh, you kick a can. Kicking cans. Kicking a can. Naughty kid. Impure thoughts. Impure. That's the other thing. Impure thoughts. What are you fucking mind reading these kids? Well, he's looking at Penthouse. Of course he's having impure thoughts. There's nothing more pure than admiring the human form. Okay, I agree with you there. Um, he dinged them for poor hygiene. Yeah, there you go. That's crazy. I like the good book, though, because that's where my name is. Because basically under my name, he wrote just a darling. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what it says on every page, though. Because as long as a kid is good, they're good. In his books, carte blanche. Probably has just a darling written on every goddamn page. Mm-hmm. But that 
naughty book is full. Yeah, it's like when you got a really good grade in your report card and the little blurb next to it was a joy to have in class. I didn't get those. Yeah, me either. Yeah, I got gifted <laughs> underachiever. I knew what that was a phrase very, very fucking familiar to me long before Bart Simpson. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, just a darling is what Santa writes about me, though. Just a darling. Um, yeah, this guy, I, I really appreciate the setup for this character because he does wake up in his Santa Claus pajamas. He puts on his Santa Claus beard with shaving cream, goes to shave, has a horrible flashback of self-harming when he was a child after seeing his mom make out with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Um, but then gets right back at it with all of his Christmassy everythings and his binoculars and his naughty list and his nice list. And it is like a highly developed psychopathy that he has attached to the holiday season. Mm-hmm. Mind you, it's still Thanksgiving. So I guess he just does this every day. It seems as though he can be triggered just by the sight of blood. Mm-hmm. And and that seems to send him back into these flashbacks of something that happened, what, 30 years ago at this point? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's still fairly damaging. But when he enters his regular workaday life, he's kind of a schmo. He's just a regular guy. People walk all over him. He has gotten promoted into his position outside of a factory where he used to work the line. He used to build the toys. And he's got a really impassioned speech to the other people at the at his workplace about quality of toys and what toys could mean. And and honestly, it's kind of sweet when you listen to someone talk that passionately. And he's like, the right toy, a well-made toy can inspire kids and excite their imagination and all these positive things that we would view as, well, it's just consumerism and kids just want, want, want. But this guy's a real romantic view of what toys are and what they can mean to children. His coworkers. And they're not feeling that fucking shit. They're eating their sandwiches. They they don't give a shit. This is a paycheck. They're not inspired by the job that they do. They're fucking line workers at a factory. They don't care. Or he might have envisioned himself as a helper elf when he oh. was on the line. And now he's the boss elf. <laughs> they, they, it is just widget work to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. And then this other guy shows up. And even though he's just another line worker, he basically bullies Harry. And I, I would just think to myself... You're in a position of authority. You could really give this guy. He fucking takes his sandwich. I'm like, what's happening with this guy? But he gets Harry to take his shift. So Harry works all day and then pulls off his tie, rolls up his sleeves and gets down to the line for the, I, I think it would be, I don't, I don't think it would be the overnight shift, but it would be the evening shift yeah, or whatever. Second, second, sh- shift. second shift as yeah. they call it. Uh, not a third shifter like me, mm-hmm. but uh, but still, pretty fucking heinous. But I, I know a lot of people in retail that fucking do that, especially around this time of year. Pick uh, up a double. Oh, my God. Constantly. Sometimes it's the managers and they don't have any choice. Sometimes I see people leaving my store at midnight and they will be back so at the store. they're working Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. what I, I, I learned that term last year. Yeah. I've never worked in retail necessarily, so mm-hmm. I'm... I'm I am a second shifter, but that's just the nature of the business I'm in. Mm-hmm. But um, clopins, yeah. working doubles. Yeah, it's it's Never crazy. You ever see? Have you ever see your retail workers looking kind of haggard around this time of year? Just uh, give them a wide berth. Yeah, I was going to say back away slowly. Back away slowly. I, I understand that your turkey and your tube socks and your Christmas gifts are real important to you, but the person that you're dealing with is probably exhausted. Shop online. Santa doesn't exist. That's all I got to say. <clears throat> yeah. So. This is the guy that we've been introduced to. He seems pretty deranged, but ultimately harmless. 
but he's prepping for something. There's something that he is cooking up. And what I dig about this movie is you don't really know what it is. You can guess, but you don't really know what he's doing, especially when you see weird scenes of him digging up dirt. You see weird, uh, you see weird scenes of him covering his hands and face in mud and marking a house. What is he doing? Have you ever sat on your balcony in the summer and watched um, junkies or the homeless and you just, you know, it's not really out of a morbid fascination, but you honestly don't know what they're going to do next, Mm -hmm. especially if they're fighting. But like, you have that sense of like, oh, what's he going to do now? Oh, what's he going to do now? And you you have a feeling that nothing's going to be, you know, life-threatening that's mm. going on in the street below you or watching people pile out of the bar at night sometimes mm. this is the same sort of thing you just watch this riffraff and you're like what the hell are they gonna do now it's the same sort of feeling i got especially when he's filling up the bags with dirt because i'm like what the fuck is he doing you know <laughs> i've had that same reaction to watching people out in the wild mm-hmm. um so you get that sense of that you're watching this guy just out in the wild acting completely rationally and i don't even think when he's Piling bags full of dirt for crying out loud. Even then, he hasn't started with the the hook that starts developing later on in the film of this tune. Mm-hmm. That he's learned the notes to this tune. Mm-hmm. He doesn't start with that yet. Mm-mm. And even that, which is, you know, his driving force, we don't really understand it. We're not really explained. No, and some people might criticize that as the people who wrote uh, this, the, the writers of this script... They're not, the audience isn't in your head. You need to explain this. or, or But you don't because I think it makes, from the outsider perspective, it's hard to truly understand someone who has this sort of mental problem, who would have this affliction. The thing that they're saying about this tune, you could infer what he means, almost as if finding your place in life, what is... Th- almost this this idea of marching to the beat of your own yeah, drum. that's what, what came to mind for me. What is this tune that he's talking about? It's a nebulous phrase that he says that just means he needs to find his place. He feels his life is unfulfilling. He has kind of made himself as close to Christmas as humanly possible from his job to his home to his permanent mental state, but there's something missing and he's looking at himself in the mirror every day as a person not in the right skin, so to speak. You know what he needs? Skin? Well, he has skin, but it's not the right skin, like you said. Maybe it's because he keeps shaving every day. Maybe that's <laughs> part of it. Maybe he needs to real, fully embrace this this love of Santa. Mm-hmm. He, I think he'd make a great Santa. Mm-hmm. I think that I would have a feeling that once Harry started second puberty, getting those grays, Mm -hmm. I think that's when he would let the beard grow in because he would say, finally, finally, I can grow my white old man beard. But he's still just a little too young, maybe for one or two bits of gray, but not enough to really justify it. Maybe he's forcing it too much and that's where his mental break happens. He should have just waited to naturally become Santa. Yeah, that's true. Or, Or you would think... That one way to be even closer to Santa Claus is if he took this big, beautiful suit that he made and 
be a mall Santa. Be the best mall Santa ever. He would have been the best mall Santa because instead of taking his pajamas, which is a Santa suit, mm-hmm. a, a pretty decent little Santa suit, actually, he creates a probably velvet and ermine oh, yeah. beautiful Santa suit. Oh, yeah. He is taking apart a, 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 a mink coat or something to get the, the fur line around the cuffs and the bottom. And it's this real old take of the Santa Claus jacket. It's not the short jacket with the big thick belt. It's the long coat version of Santa Claus, almost turn of the century, still in the realm of St. Nicholas version of Santa Claus, not yet fully reformed via Coca-Cola, although it is a pastiche of that. Mm -hmm. So when he finally is compiling this suit over a month and you know the fact that since he's a factory worker he is a maker he knows he knows how to fucking rock that sewing machine he knows how to do everything everything's handmade and like you said spared no expense you know he's using the best materials to make this stuff yeah it's a wonderful suit and he even pads it just so because he's not a very roly-poly guy yeah so he needs to pad his legs make himself look a little more holly jolly Mm -hmm. uh, a little more Mm roly-poly like santa yeah so he does a very good job Mm -hmm. of creating a very good santa right and meanwhile the thing that needs to be understood is that he has this really weird estranged relationship with his younger brother his younger brother seems to live in their childhood home now this is where he now has a wife and two children of his own. It's the same family number and dynamic that was that they had when they were kids and living in the, the ancestral home. It's kind of sweet in a way. Mm-hmm. He has a somewhat affluent life. I don't know what he does for a living. I Generic businessman. You know, Probably an architect. Architect. <laughs> exactly. 80s guy. Suspenders, tie, does push-ups, got a beautiful wife. And, and, and that, that whole chestnut. And you see him... Harry looking at his brother and his brother Philip's perception of his brother is he's a fucking loser and that's the end of it and he's such a loser in his brother's eyes that it frustrates him and he feels he has to take care of his older brother and he uh, articulates way later in the film that all he wanted was an older brother to look up to that Mm -hmm. would help take care of him and Mm -hmm. that would help build a life but no he has to take care of his brother at every turn but even before he says as much you get that feeling because he's Mm -hmm. just nothing but a sense of frustration Mm -hmm. related to his brother all Though he does, like, I guess he probably figures the only time that Harry's going to get a hot meal is when he comes over to his house for Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. So when Harry turns him down for Thanksgiving dinner, he's angry. Yeah. And and, and you can see that initially it would be easy to paint this as, as he doesn't like his brother. His brother's a fucking loser. And so he hates him and he's saddled with this guy. But I think the character of Philip really toes a fine line between obviously loving his brother but just oh i want to shake him i want to <laughs> shake him until he stops being this way and being a way of functioning adult that i don't have to look, take care of and you know that if harry had turned his life around then it would be all water under the bridge and he'd be super happy but that being said it's kind of weird to me harry traditionally speaking harry definitely has a lot of emotional problems He's mentally ill. Well, yeah, we saw it in the apartment. To an extreme. But at the same time, he has a clean apartment in a decent neighborhood. He's got a job. He got promoted at his job. He's not 
a loser. No, he's not dangerous to have around children or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he, and I'm wondering if it's simply the aesthetics of his life. Like, why don't you have, why aren't you married with kids by now? Maybe that's what... I think that's really what it is. Because the status quo is really what's upsetting Philip. And unfortunately, on the other side of the coin, Philip is kind of scaring the kids. Yeah. Just with his rage related to his brother. And the first thing he wants to do is lash out at everyone around him mm-hmm. when he has to deal with the way his brother isn't like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and since Harry doesn't want to come, he's too... Uh... He's too preoccupied watching the Thanksgiving Day parade, the Macy's Thanksgiving Day parade. Yeah. And and that's really what he's into. He wants to watch Santa Claus, and he is enraptured by this program the same way that Phil's kids are enraptured by the program. And so this is where you think that th- this is really where Harry's mission begins, Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve. And throughout this, this is where Harry is being continually disappointed at his job because the people he works with don't believe in Christmas. Not only that, but there's this new campaign going on that he learns about really at the Christmas party, although I find it somewhat remarkable that he had never seen that commercial before. Maybe he did, and it never really dawned on him. But while he's at this company Christmas party with his new bosses and shit who are kind of... Come on over to the white collar aspect of this business. You're no longer a line worker. And you know, they say you're on the other side of the desk now, Harry. Yeah, you got to understand this is how business works. Yeah, and because they their idea is they have this charity going on where they're going to be donating a whole bunch of toys to a local institution for children. I don't know if it's an orphanage, it's a hospital, it's a something for children in need, and they're going to be donating a bunch of presents and some cash. But here's the deal: they're kind of relying on the employees, the line workers, to foot a lot of the bills personally through donations while they don't really empty their pockets. And they're going to give toys, but they don't even really know how many kids are at this place, so they'll give what they can. But not everyone's going to get any everything, is what they're somewhat implying. And not only that, but Harry is incredibly frustrated by the quality of toys that they've been making lately. They're cheaping out. They are cheaping out. And he turns to the guy that arranged the campaign, who straight up admits that all he did was arrange a campaign. He doesn't even know how many kids are in that orphanage. Yeah. Which is just so frustrating. So not only are they expecting the employees to donate, and that's what's going to be given to these children. They're going to be giving them shitty toys, if anything at all. And they don't even know how many kids there are. So how could they be sure there's enough for all the kids? They don't care. It doesn't matter. It's all mm-hmm. just visuals, right? It's all just optics. Yeah. It helps him snap. Definitely... I mean, Christmas parties will make the best of anyone snap. Oh, my God. Our Christmas party at my work is the lamest fucking thing ever. I went one year, and it was the year where they stopped sitting down at a restaurant, and they went to Fun Haven. Mm-hmm. And I was just standing there... I'm a grown man, and I'm in this horrible place. There's no real video games. I hated it. Booze is expensive. They don't just... Uh, anyway, I don't want to get into like how much I hate the, my company Christmas party. This Christmas party at least is... Well, I don't know where this is. It seems to be at the work itself. It's, it's sort of in between the two. Like Our Christmas party, we have uh, a di- uh, like a turkey dinner brought in. We eat a little turkey dinner. It's nice. Um, there's some activities and stuff that I don't really participate in. I'm usually busy anyway, and I prefer that. I prefer working through the holidays. It makes me keeps me busy like a normal day because I do treat most holidays like normal days because they are. They really, truly are. Um, but they did have fireplace for your home 
uh, during our staff <laughs> meeting on the background with the crackles and everything, but it came in black and white, which was like a really nice downbeat for me. I enjoyed it very much. And then across the road, the funeral home had a huge fiery plume outside the chimney, so I really enjoyed that. Oh, that's nice. nice. So this Christmas party is somewhere in between the two mm-hmm. of those extremes of going to Fun Haven and having booze and uh, having a nice little sit-down meal. At the oh, my place. God. And and they're getting sloppy. They're getting super pouring sloppy. Pouring rum like retards. Oh, just trying to get the table drunk, just fucking pouring it all over the place. But anyways, this is after Harry realizes what's going on. His coworkers fucked him over. Making him work double shifts even though he doesn't want to. His family thinks he's a loser, doesn't want to have anything to do with him. And more importantly, the little kids stop believing in Santa Claus. That's what he's mostly worried about. He wants children to believe in Santa Claus because at one point he was a child that believed in Santa Claus and he was let down. So the world is going to continuously let these children down. I will be the thing that does not let children down. I'm going to steal all of the toys from the factory that I work at. So I hope all the kids like 900 red trucks. Yeah. He, he packs mail room bags, it seems, full of them, yeah. which is a nice touch. He's already got a really fantastic Santa suit. Oh, yeah. So now he has sent, uh, fantastic Santa bags stuffed to the brim with toys. It's quite picturesque, really. Yeah. And so he goes, takes all of these fucking presents, drags them into his not creepy at all white van with a sleigh emblazoned on either side. I've seen a lot of band vans and I've seen some my share of creepy vans in my life. And this is a Chevy van, a typical white van with this sleigh painted on the side. Yeah. Quite kind of crudely. Like it's not terribly done, but yeah. I mean, I've seen better band vans for sure. Well, yeah, he doesn't have the wizard fighting the dragon on the side of the van. Not quite, but like, yeah, it looks pretty sketch. Oh my god, could you imagine this van pulling up to you, leaning out the window and saying they got toys in the back? It might as well say free candy. Oh my god. Well, yeah. that's what I was saying. It's so charming in the 1980s how we can have a scene of Harry talking to kids from across the road and the neighborhood kids all seem to know him and he knows them all by names and he specifically points out his favorite little girl that's oh just so darling and says you look so beautiful and she just gets up and gets a little curtsy seems pretty sweet in 1980 now now if if i for example were to shout to a little girl across the road you're so beautiful I think nine cops would just appear out of nowhere and drag me away. Yeah, guns dropped from the ceiling. Or at the very least, their parents would call up the police and be like, I just want to make sure that this man isn't a, an offender. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Sorry, that image is very funny to me. But in the 80s, you can not only get away with being too sweet on all the kids um, and threatening other ones, you can have this uh, free candy van driving around. It's oh, like yeah. a white van that is that basically says pedo all over oh it. Oh, my God. And he's going to go into children's houses now. This has one of my favorite scenes uh, that you commented on, too, where he comes into the house with a Santa, that beautiful Norman Rockwell Christmas tree glowing in the background, and then he produces a butcher's knife, a Michael Myers-esque. It's beautiful. Yeah. Now you think, oh, my God, what's he going to do? 
he's going to use it to cut some twine that are around these presents underneath the tree. Which I think is how I'm going to unwrap presents from here on out. Yeah, just bring, just bring out the butcher Giant knife. Giant butcher knife. No more broken nails. No more having to fight through wads of tape because my dad's one of those type of wrappers. Oh, really? Just big old thing of tape? Very red green. He may as well just <laughs> wrap it. Oh, yeah. It's great. I'll just grab a butcher knife. It's picturesque. It's very me. Oh, yeah. And it reminds me of this film. But yeah, I was, I really enjoyed that. And this is kind of the beginning of those very iconic scenes in this. There are wonderful scenes, much like the cover of it, where he's any old Santa at any old chimney. He happens to have an axe. He's a very picturesque Coca-Cola Santa in front of a very nicely decked out tree with the lighting just so very Christmassy, mm-hmm. very atmospheric. And he has a giant butcher knife. Oh, yeah. Then he's going through the toys and then you see... Him just, he's placing new toys into the, I don't know if he just doesn't like the, he's like, these toys aren't good enough. I'm going to give you more toys. Although some of the toys that he has are broken, um, which he just sort of laughs because of course they're broken because this stupid toy factory that I work at doesn't give a shit about quality. And so these motorcycle guys don't have fucking heads. (laughs) So once he leaves that place, it's off to that, the, the charity, the charity movement and I like this scene because at first the security guard is almost going to pull his gun on yeah, Santa. Yeah, yeah. He, he motions to his gun. He looks very scroogey. So it's like you've got this dichotomy of this very generous, albeit insane Santa Claus, and this uh, very like stuck to his job, old timey security guard mm-hmm. who is almost very scroogey and does not give a shit that he's Santa or there to see the kids. He's like, do you know what time it is? Yeah. Don't come in the building. Just wait right here. Uh, to soften him up a little, he gives old Scrooge a gift. He does. That would work on me. I'll be honest with you. If someone if someone was trying to get into a place that I was securitying and... This is why I'll never hire you to be my security guard. I'm no, I know. Hire. Because if someone just hands me a darling bangle, I just say, oh, right this way, sir. <laughs> and like you get robbed. The place burns down. People are murdered. And I'm just sitting there with like a brightly colored box. And you say, what the fuck's the matter with you? And I said, but lids, brightly colored box, jingle, jangle, jingle. But see, then it does work to soften him up just enough that he doesn't shoot him or kick him out. Yeah. He tells him to wait there. And I think that this is where Harry's like, I do have the magic of Santa Claus. He does have the magic of Santa Claus. And this is where he's trying to get into character. He's practicing his Merry Christmas before he gets that very big Santa voice that everyone... You would make such a good Santa. (laughs) Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, you need that really big Santa voice that everyone seems to affect when they're being Santa Claus. Well, yeah, I'd make a shit. Like, I can't. I could dress up like Santa. You could send me off to, like, Greg Nicotero and have him dress me up as Santa. It would be yeah. impeccable. Be and very I would good say Santa. Merry Christmas, and it just would not sell you. Yeah, it's true. But I can't ho, ho, ho. No, but I can ho with the best of them. Yes. Now. You are a ho. That is chillingly accurate. Mm-hmm. But the... The, the hospital is wary at first, but once they see who, who, what's going on, he flies open the back of his creepy serial killer van and it is chuck full of presents. And this means toys for the kids. What's this donation from? He's like, from people that didn't know how generous they could be. Because <laughs> it's all stolen. It's all stolen. Stolen things out of the back of white van. Huh? That's Seems original. legit. Yeah. This random Santa that you don't know shows up out of nowhere at like what's got to be close to fucking midnight and gives you a whole bunch of stuff out of the back of the van. Now, this is the Christmas special ending scene where 
and the kids believe in Christmas again. Little Billy's... They're dazzled, though, because, like, not only is it, like, who cares if it's a van? It's a van with a sleigh painted on it, whatever. Yeah. He doesn't look crazy. No. He looks like Santa. He really looks like Santa. It started snowing, for Christ's sake. The magic of Santa is afoot. He Mm -hmm. has the big, booming Santa voice Mm -hmm. that probably echoes and, like, shakes your boots because it's so booming and it just drills into your head with the ho, 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 Merry Christmas. You know, he's, he's living that character so accurately that they can't help but think... This is a, a wonderful company that has hired the best Santa ever to mm-hmm. come and give us all these toys. Yeah, and it's a little late, but whatever. By the time the kids wake up in the morning, they're going to have a truckload of presents. Yeah. And so we're off credits. What a what a charming Christmas movie that I tricked you into watching. Yeah, it was charming. Wait a second, it's not over. Not even close because... And he had a knife. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> now... Santa is going to pay his evil bosses a visit. Now, where are his evil bosses? At Midnight Mass. Creeps, let me tell you about the worst aspect of Christmas. All the religious stuff. And as someone who had to sit through Midnight Mass, it is not a fun time. You would rather be anywhere. You know what I love about Midnight Mass? What's that? Is that I've never gone to one, but I get to hear the church bells at midnight on Christmas Eve, and that's really cool. It's very pretty. I will tell you that they really pull out all the stops. The singing's the best, and the decorations are impeccable, but I really like this crowd shot <laughs> inside the church because we see his bosses and the executives and stuff like that in there, and everyone is, I mean, their wives are nudging them awake, and everyone's just kind of like... Rolling their eyes. Doing that long blink thing and that's what it is it's because it's something that you do because christmas is a religious holiday and if you are practicing even a little bit you will at least show up for if you're catholic if you're catholic you will show up for your midnight mass and and and, but it's it's it really everyone's shuffling out there late at night i'm I, i just like oh yeah this is this is very accurate. You could not have dragged one member of my family kicking and screaming to a midnight mass on Christmas Eve. Although, almost everyone was awake for midnight on Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, traditionally, my family's uh, Christmases, Christmas Eve was a very, very late time. And then you wake up early on Christmas Eve, or Christmas morning, sorry, and you eat a lot of pancakes. And then Bob's your uncle. Christmas is happening. But these guys are going to have a worse night because they're not going home just yet. Be- Which... If every Christmas started out like this, I would be happy. Because I sometimes on these holidays, I like to listen to the police scanner. And this would be fascinating to listen in on. Absolutely. Because we got ourselves some yuppie types approaching Harry, who's just standing there looking at them. Now, the camera keeps panning back to a, a, a soldier, a toy soldier, almost like what would be in Babes in Toyland or the Nutcracker Prince, one of those guys, tall hats, like the fucking British-looking uh, dudes. And he's got and, and he's got himself the a bayonet on the end of his toy gun, and you think, oh, man, that's for something. Yeah, <laughs> that's, he can't show the knife and not use the knife. Exactly. So... He's trying to get to his bosses. And I don't know. I think he wants to, to kill not his main boss, but he wants to kill the other guy. The younger the guy one. that did the campaign. The new guy that's the, new the guy, second in charge. Yeah, this corp, this guy that came from corporate. You know, a lot of companies do this. My company has them too. People who go to a special school to groom them to be placed within companies at executive levels. Yeah. 
uh, or, or ASM levels in my store, assistant store managers. Some of those people didn't work their way up as cart pushers to where they are. Some of them literally come fully formed. Yeah. And and that's what they do. I worked for a flower company that, that uh, had sent away one of their daughters mm. for that exact position within the company. Yeah. So they're, they're, they're having some jokes. Seeing Santa Claus, nice outfit. What you got? And and they're really giving him a hard time and they won't let him pass. Well, something's got to give. And we get ourselves a beautiful shot of orbital obliteration. Yes, it is. <laughs> that milky white goo. Oh, yeah. We see that bayonet just plunge into that motherfucker's head. And he holds his thing, that bright red. It's not the 70s anymore, but the blood would <laughs> fool you. It has got a very giallo look to it a lot. Oh, Even yeah. at the very beginning when they're panning through the, the banister rails and watching mm-hmm. the little boys on his way down the stairs. Mm-hmm. A lot of the shadow play and the light play in this, let alone the way that the blood and the kills are. Now mm-hmm. that we're at that point, mm-hmm. over an hour into the film or yeah. just under an it, hour into the film? It's just under an hour into the film. That's the thing about this movie. And I talked about it in my original review. It is a horror movie, but you, it is very atmospheric, as you were saying. Mm-hmm. And you were looking at a person's descent into madness and how a misguided but innocent and, in a romantic sense, beautiful idea can be twisted and ends in murder. And you don't get the satisfaction of this scene without the previous 40, 50-odd minutes of this movie. It's true. You really need it. You really need it. Because, listen, if we wanted... If we wanted just a, a slasher movie with, with a guy dressed as Santa Claus, we could have done Silent Night, Deadly Night, and nothing against that film. If you like it, you love it. Oh, great. But I'm just saying that this film really tries to do something different while at the same time giving you a lot of familiar themes. And this moment is so fucking satisfying because not only do we get a toy jammed into someone's eye and they show it, but now he pulls out an axe. And this axe is fucking Christmas themed. Yeah. And he... Hits two more people on the fucking head. He kills like three people. Immediately and in front of an entire entourage of people leaving Midnight Mass. Oh my God. It is fucking great. You have a guy dressed as Santa Claus murdering three people in cold blood on the steps of a church on Christmas Eve. Mm, Love it. I know. It's beautiful. (laughs) And along with every other Hallmark looking or Coca-Cola looking or Courier Knives looking Christmas snapshot in this that is a beautiful snapshot oh yeah yeah oh yeah it's fucking great but now he's just getting the fuck out of there he's on the run (laughs) (laughs) yeah pedal to the metal he has to get in his sleigh van and (laughs) ride now this is where the police are going to enter the story and i love this idea of this santa claus lineup oh my god another very picturesque scene and Mm. it is just like with some films i will say it's oil painting after oil painting of just beautiful fucking shit um in a way that this this is, but it's like the chintziest, mm-hmm. weird oil painting I've ever seen because it is right up there with dogs playing poker. This is Santa Claus lineup. I know, mm-hmm. right? And everyone's wearing their own version of a cheap, ill-fitting suit, which really makes you appreciate how good Harry's Santa Claus suit is. Now, my biggest thing with this whole scene is the cops are joking around. Like, people 
this people died. Yeah. The police don't seem... Wow. Gallows humor exists. Ga- gallows humor does exist, and it is very appropriate, particularly people in law enforcement and people in the medical field. This is how death they... Death services, definitely. Yeah, death services, yeah. whatever. This is people who... How they cope with it every day because you need it. Uh, you need it. But I, I also think that the police are kind of barking up the wrong tree when they're looking for anyone and everyone dressed as Santa Claus, rounding them up when you have a person who has something even more glaring, in my opinion. You have someone... Why didn't no one say his Santa Claus suit had darker fur around the cuffs? That's that's great information, and they'll use it, I'm sure. But he also had a giant van with a fucking sleigh painted on the side of it. Very noticeable. Yeah. And I don't know why it wasn't mentioned either, because that is ridiculous. They're not looking for that. Instead, they got West Mantooth on the morning news. (laughs) Wearing so much Sox Panther that I could smell it from here. Oh, my God. He He has... The mustache and the reporter hair like you fucking read about. He might have been wearing a turtleneck, but I couldn't tell over the scent of Sex Panther. <laughs> oh, he is a, a, a hunk a hunk of burning something because he's on the news basically saying, if you know anyone that dresses up as Santa, if you see anyone dressed up as Santa, call the police. I love his editorial aside, which which I, it's really funny because it's almost like he's doing a, a think piece where as opposed to just street reporting yeah but he just shakes his head and turns his head to the side and says i keep wondering if christmas will ever be the same again i was like that's not what your job really is sir i mean maybe at one point that's what reporters were expected to do but at this point now when we see people basically doing streeters and shit just reporting on a scene they just deliver the news and maybe the anchor uh, uh, in the the headquarters, we'll ask them a couple of questions, which, by the way, are prearranged. Uh, if you guys were ever curious about how that works, a lot of the times the anchor and the street reporter know what the other person is going to ask them. Uh, I learned that when I was in radio. I had no idea. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I think that's hilarious. I, I, I hate watching the news with people who have never worked in journalism in any way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and they get frustrated about the way that it's presented to them, and it's like, yeah, it's all a script or why people who get interviewed by news anchors wonder why only a tiny clip was used because they went there looking for somebody who would say it was horrible it was a terrible tragedy and Mm -hmm. i don't know if i'm gonna sleep tonight so you talked for 20 minutes before you said what they wanted to hear yeah yeah sad but true yeah it's it's uh they're just looking for that soundbite basically especially in today's news cycle but that's neither here nor there because one of the things that we skipped over that i want to get to is because i fucking love it is that Santa had one more visit before Christmas Day that night, and he went to his co-worker's house, and he tried to smother him with his Santa Claus bag. Which is awesome, because this is a a strange scene where I guess, you know, almost something out of, like, American Beauty, I thought his wife was going to roll over and tell him to stop jerking off, because, like, I don't know what (sighs) she thought was going on. Or maybe this is how Amityville happened, where you can shoot people in the face in their beds and have other people not hear anything going on because he's getting smothered quite violently in mm-hmm. bed beside their their christmas tree that they have in their bedroom because they have a wonderful christmas tree downstairs they do very beautiful frosted frosted christmas tree I've, i love the look of frosted christmas trees i saw one just the other day and if i were the type that would want to have a like a big stupid christmas tree that's the biggest stupidest one i can envision these frosted ones but uh they have like a little one in their in their bedroom so by the glow of that 
And you have this giant Santa with huge bags full of gifts that he's smothering this mm-hmm. gentleman with who's struggling. And his wife, I don't know, maybe she's drunk, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, that would explain but it. But also, if you, if you, it's the volume, right? Now, if you notice when you look at their bed, there actually is, they are on one bed frame, but the mattress is divided in two. Oh, so it's like a sleep number bed or they pushed two together. Yeah, it's hard to say. Maybe maybe that's what they did. They pushed the beds together. So I'm thinking, well, is there enough of a break where you wouldn't feel the struggling? I find that very hard to believe, particularly even if you had a bag over your face, you could probably yell and move around enough to wake your wife up but she's you know what she sleeps like the dead who cares this explains why he was on the roof and i thought i cannot sleep through somebody on my roof no way i would hear somebody trepsing around my roof but like she doesn't hear her husband getting smothered violently next to her so okay yeah he can walk around on the roof it's pretty funny and you think you might get that gremlins moment where he can't get through the fucking roof it is a very pathetic moment and i think actually the scene where he's trying to get into the chimney and can't quite fit because he does not have the magic of santa claus Mm -hmm. is the saddest and most pathetic moment in his in his lifetime that we see it really really is i believe that up until this point every moment when he was putting on the suit, when he glued that beard to his face and he looked at himself and as he tried to yank the beard free, he was just laughing as the pain of his face when he was trying to pull it off. He, It's me. I see myself. He is finally in the skin that he meant to be in and he can hear that tune. He has found himself and he is for the first time truly happy. And when he was at that hospital and he started getting into character, the snow started to fall and people called him Santa and he and he saw that Christmas party and kids woke up and they were happy to see him. Children loved him. And he got to say his dire warning of, if you're a bad kid, I'll leave you something horrible. And this is after he's fucking murdered people and also left bags of dirt on naughty kids' property which is awesome. I, you, if you finally get to see what the bags of dirt are about. Yeah, they're for, yeah, instead of coal, it's just big bags of dirt. Cheaper than coal. Yeah, much cheaper than Cost coal. Cost you only labor to do it. I don't know where you'd find coal in the 80s just kicking around. But yeah, dirt, easy. Yeah, but yeah, but I agree. That moment where he's, I, I, can't, I can't get into this chimney. Because I'm not Santa? Because I'm is not Santa it? Claus. Yeah, exactly. And so when he gets into this person's house and he's leaving presents, he has one more present. And that's when he decides to smother his fucking coworker, but he it's not working. And so what he does is he takes the star from their little their bedroom Christmas tree and slices the guy throat uh slices the guy's throat. Effective. Very effective. effective. Christmassy. Uh, Christmassy and then when the body falls on his wife, she wakes up finally and then is just panicked. She doesn't scream right away. She seems to be silently screaming and and we both kind of agreed that it's just she's waking up or maybe the weight on his, her is too much. There's a lot of explanations about why she's not fully screaming, but she eventually does. Yeah, and he, she's eventually does. And he books does. it out out of there. And that's when we're done with Christmas. He did a fucking busy night. He just drove off and fell asleep. That's how busy a night he had. Yeah, which I thought was kind of hilarious. But he doesn't sleep for long. No, he doesn't because he's got more work to do Christmas Day. Now, this is where his brother is freaking out he's seen that news report by west mantooth and there's been murders and people are trying to line up santa claus to try to find them while he's trying to have a good christmas dinner not only that but harry has always come to their house on christmas morning he's never missed one this is all starting a fight between him and his wife and i think that this what's being highlighted without being spelled out entirely is that 
His anger is ten times more detrimental than Harry's fixation on Christmas. They don't know that he's killed people yet. Mm-hmm. His brother seems to have an inkling that maybe that's who they're looking for. Mm-hmm. This is, like, too close to home for me. This sounds too much like Harry that mm-hmm. he's finally snapped. But he won't say it. He seems to be looking at these news reports out of the corner of his eye and getting angrier and angrier with his children and his wife. Mm-hmm. Because this building tension of Harry isn't here... There's Santa killings going on. I have a weird, horrible feeling that might be my brother. But he is the one lashing out. He is the one, in their eyes, being the most dangerous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of putting a big dour note on Christmas because one person hasn't shown up. And now all of a sudden, you know, a time that's just supposed to be a happy place. And especially in, in, a, in a nuclear family like this, he's losing his fucking mind because he believes that he's... It's one of it's it's it, the implication is that he's always believed that his brother had the capacity to do this. That is why yeah. he 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 is a sweaty, nervous wreck. He's sick to his stomach, and when Harry finally contacts him, he tells him as much o- over the phone. And Harry just seems to think that he's just gonna he's got more work to do. Yeah, he's not gonna make it tonight. Apologize yeah. to the kids for me. Mm-hmm. See, the, the wife, who's entirely on the outside in all of this, only really sees what her husband's reaction is, has probably seen Harry enjoying Christmas year after year and just knows, yeah, yeah, he enjoys it a little too much and he's weird about it and still believes in Santa. But, I mean, that's not bad. Want to know why Harry doesn't want to come over here? Mm-hmm. Mr. Screaming at the kids? Like, she yeah. is really putting a lot of the blame on him. Yeah, and, and, and she's also implied previously that he, every time that they get together... His brother dumps on Harry. Yeah, he he can't keep it together, and she just wants it to be a nice Christmas where he's not screaming doing, at Harry. Screaming yeah. at Harry. Why do you have to do like why? You know what he's like. And I mean, it's not like Harry is a is a really a burden on the family. Like he's not imposing it. You're talking about oh, you know, it's it's uh, your brother Harry that comes for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Like, like, I don't understand how that is. And there's the so rest angry of the, making, yeah. Yeah, the rest of the year, you don't have to deal with them. You know what I mean? And he's not doing anything. He's not breaking your stuff or he's not any kind of financial burden. He's not anything. You know what I mean? Like, Which is almost a hilarious conversation for them to be having because they don't really know he's killed people yet. No, we know that. We know that. Yeah. And th- at this point, the news broadcasts are out. People know that they're looking for a deranged Santa Claus. And they go from zero to 60 real quick. If you see anybody in a Santa Claus suit, don't go fucking near them. Yeah. Well, Santa Claus will, on Christmas, run into more people. Children. He loves children. Yeah. And the children will run to Santa Claus. And it's one of the more picturesque scenes, too. Well, every scene is picturesque. Every scene is mm-hmm. very Christmassy. But he finds this, like, little alcove, little alley between some houses. Probably mm-hmm. one of those places where all the neighbors really pal around and know each other really well. Mm-hmm. And they've decorated it all kind of mutually. There's, yeah. like, a, a sleigh with a bunch of lit up reindeer lining yeah. this entire path. And the snowman, the snowman that, like, leading the paths, too. It's, like, it's really nice. Like, you would look at that neighborhood and be like, woof, there's a neighborhood that loves Christmas. Yeah, and then wonder what their electrical bill is like. Um, <laughs> at least I do. But Especially in those days, they didn't have the LED lights. They were using the old bulbs. Real bulbs. So, yeah, yeah. that was costly. And very picturesque, lights it up very well. And I get another of those hints of this, like, Argento-looking lightscape that they've built, along with the music, which we haven't really mentioned. Aside from the music, 
that only Harry can hear mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. the notes to the tune. Yeah, um, I mean, is it just "Here Comes Santa Claus"? Is that? His? I think so because it's a song he keeps singing over and over and quite maniacally <clears throat> at at scenes two, and that he keeps hearing. But he also keeps hearing these jingles, which I don't think anyone else is hearing these jingles, but he's hearing them. Um, there are a lot of really cool sounds in this film, aside from the carols and the things that he's singing and things other people like that cop that sort of sings. He's making a list and mm-hmm. checking it twice. He has a good singing voice, by the way. Yeah, he does. There's uh, some piano and very off-key, minor key and warped music. They use the the music in Harry's van becomes warped at one point because the yeah. tape starts when, getting eaten. When, when they're looking, it's when they're surve- surveying the damage that he's done outside the steps of that church, and you're looking at. Blood and snow. Mm, love that combination. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at the bloodied toy soldier on the ground and all these bodies. And it's, here comes Santa Claus, but it's like, vroom, 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 vroom. And, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, man, that's so creepy. And then he hits the radio inside of his van. Nice transition technique there. Yep, very nice transition technique. Yeah. I, I enjoy the use of sound in this very much. And I had looked at the credits trying to get a, a feel for how much work was put into it. But they don't really... They don't really highlight it the way it should be. And this is one of those things where, like, if they're going to be putting out fucking red vinyl of anything, Mm -hmm. this one should be. I just uh, got as a Christmas or birthday gift from Chris the Pieces vinyl. And this would be a a runner-up for that because there is some really good synth score behind. It's really downplayed, though, and it's not front and center. Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear what the soundtrack actually sounds like. Let me ask you this lids mm-hmm. when when you see your make-believe children surrounded by a santa claus that you suspect to be a killer what do you do what do you do back away back away and let santa give the kids the presents and shit basically uh, yeah i i guess call the police because i have yeah. a cellular phone because this is the year 2017 and I it is but what this cat's gonna do is he's going to pull a switchblade knife on oh, Santa. that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This guy looks like a fucking New York tough, too. He's got, like, the, the tight leather jacket and, like, the fucking build hat and everything like that. He's like, hey, get away from my kids, yo. He There's a really- lot of scenes in this. And not only that one news anchor that's very West Mantooth, but this reminds me again of the, the, the comedy film Anchorman when they have the fight in the alleyway. <laughs> Throws the trident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I killed the guy with the trident. I saw that. I saw that. No, they. What I like about this moment is when the father comes to confront Santa Claus and trying to get him them away from his. Because they saw the West Mantooth report. They earlier. saw the West Mantooth, and they don't really know this is Santa Claus. But at this point, Santa's been rolling around in the dirt. His suit is getting increasingly destroyed. Even the cutest little girl, the the Victoria of the bunch, says, "Santa, your suit's really dirty." You know, yeah. and it is. And he's got smudges on his face. Yeah, he's starting to look. A lot of that had to do with his mussing around in the chimney, but <laughs> also just by the fact that he's been wearing it all day. He's been running around all day. Well, he says there's a lot of pollution between here and the North Pole, and that's how he explains it to the kids. Mm-hmm. But the parents know better. Yeah, and. The kids fucking form a human shield around Santa Claus. I I dig this idea, and we've seen this throughout this film. We've seen people pull Santa Claus in from the cold and have them join the party, and now he is the star of the party. Which drunk people would do stupid shit like that. Oh, for sure. We see people just 
openly engaging with him. These people at the hospital, once they see, when they're not the security guard, but when the, the, the hospital workers, the doctors and stuff, see someone dressed as Santa Claus. He's One dressed, of them kisses on on the cheek. Yeah, he's dressed as Santa Claus yeah. and he's bringing his presents. He can't be a bad person. And it's Santa Claus. It's Christmas. Bring him inside. He's not a dangerous person. And again, these kids will choose Santa Claus over their parents. Which is another reason, like I said at the beginning of the show, make sure that every child for fucking 10 miles around you knows there is no Santa Claus. This little girl fucking fights her father. Steals his knife Steals his switch, but gives it to Santa Claus. Now, I'm not sure if this guy got stabbed in that struggle. He yells in pain, so maybe he got... I think he, he did. And a... Santa was making some, like, jabby furtive yeah. motions. So I wonder, I wonder if the talking to that little girl is going get, to get home. It's like, you... Stop daddy from stabbing a deranged killer that might have hurt you and in the process got your father stabbed. They wouldn't have had this problem if they would have made it clear to those children that Santa did not exist because the kids would have looked at them and said, that bum is wearing a Santa suit. Yeah. They, I'm scared. They might have said that. Now, he gets stabbed in the face with a brooch, too. Yeah. I like that. And this is... <laughs> I talked about this in my original review. But this is where they form an angry mob, complete... With, like, 19th century torches. And they are very aware of this because there is a fucking musical hit. Every time they raise a torch in the air, they do it about four or five times. Oh they light God. a torch and then they raise it in the air like they are an angry mob from Frankenstein. Oh, my God. You think that they're going to just corner Harry at a fucking windmill and burn it down? <laughs> That's what I think they're angling for. For them to be running through the streets like an angry mob of South Park or something like <laughs> Rabble, <that>. rabble, rabble. <laughs> they are exactly doing that. And he's running around it's very keystone cops it's hilarious it's scary too because they're doing the very right musical cues with this i this is a point where i feel the worst for harry i'm pretty sympathetic to the harry character it's almost like a michael douglas in falling down it's it's about a person who thinks that the world should be a certain way and wants the world to be a certain way but unfortunately his derangement causes people to die and now he's really seeing that the kids love me, the kids understand, but the parents don't. And he's losing his moment. His suit that he works so hard on is falling apart. He is running away from this neighborhood for his life. It's all gone. It's all fallen apart. And 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 soon Christmas will be over. It's already the night of Christmas Day. So we are encroaching on people don't believe and the world doesn't believe in and even if the kids do, he failed in his mission to make the pe- make people believe that Santa Claus is real. Well, who's home for the holidays, though? Where can you feel safe? Where will you know that people will understand you? Go and home. Accept you. Yes, home. He goes back to his brother, and that's when he has it out with his brother. And his brother, he's, Harry seems to be hinging on this idea that you said you didn't believe in Santa Claus and you never believed in Santa Claus. And so by saying that, if Phil didn't say that he didn't believe in in Santa Claus and that it was their father, then Harry never would have gone downstairs. He never would have seen his parents engaging in a very chaste PG-13. A very PG-13, sort of like when dogs meet one another. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really. And... And he and maybe his life would be different now. And Philip rightfully loses his goddamn mind. But interestingly, demonstrates that 
he's not the only one in his family with a capacity for murder. In the peak of rage, he is screaming at his brother, throttling him, saying, you are blaming me for your life based off of something I said when I was six years old and strangles his brother, not to death, but to unconsciousness. And then in that moment, you see him freaking out and then dragging his brother's body back into his fucking white van. And if you look at it from the perspective of his wife, she's right to be scared of him because all he does is scream at his brother. He's done done nothing but scream at his brother, who at this point just seems a little simple-minded. Yeah. And again, they don't know that he's killed, but the second that he sees... His His brother knows. His brother knows. And the second that he sees him in this outfit, he was like, I knew it was you. I knew it was you. Yeah. But almost you could answer him back saying you wanted it to be him. You wanted your frustrations and everything wrong with your brother to be justified. If you were his wife, you'd be saying that, yes, very much Oh, for sure. Then you have to have some sympathy for Philip as well, where not that any of this could have been avoided maybe, but if only Harry would have calmed down, straightened up, listened to him maybe... He wouldn't have become this deranged. It's true. And and you basically, it becomes a story about two brothers who want something in the world that just can't happen. Mm-hmm. Harry wants Santa Claus to be real. And he wants people to believe in the magic of Christmas. And that can't happen, not on the level that he wants. And Philip wanted an older brother that he could look up to, that he could do things with and confide in and share a life with. And that was also never going to be into the car. In that also was never going to be in the cards. So it's sad for both of them. And in the struggles, Harry loses consciousness and then escapes. Yeah. And not with a one more very picturesque. There's so many little scenes in this with Santa that mm. are very un-Santa, like look the Santa lineup. And this is another one, I guess. When your kids are going to find out that Santa doesn't exist. <laughs> Is it going to be from them looking out their bedroom window and seeing their father? Dragging Santa Claus's body into it and just heaping him into the van. I don't know what he was thinking. I, I don't know if he was thinking, okay, uh, everyone get their story straight. Uh, we woke up the next day and he was just out in the in the parking lot in the van and he was dead. Okay, that, that's the story. Well, me being me, I'd like to think that no one's that nefarious. I think that they would put the body in the van... To preserve evidence and call the police and be like, yeah, my brother just showed up. I'm pretty sure he's at Santa's been killing everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I put him in his van and we're sequestered in our house where it's safe. Yeah. Send cops. Send cops. Send more cops. (laughs) (laughs) But Santa Claus is not dead and he reaches out with a clenched fist and cold cocks Phil right in the fucking chomper. Knocks him out, or at least doesn't knock him out, knocks him back. And then he peels out of there. Yeah. And then his brother chases him down, falls down a hill while this angry mob is coming. And you think that, well, now that's now that Harry's in the van, are we going to get one more? I thought it was going to end with the Michael Bay explosion, quite honestly. I really thought that they'd converge on the van with their torches and light it on fire and kaboom. So the, it doesn't end in that way. What you get is something that has also, it's speaking about that book, The Horror of It All, it was on another one of those lists. Uh, it was uh, in the same chapter, top WTF moments in a slasher film. And I don't know if it was honorable mentions or if this took the top spot. What ends up happening in this film, I think, is open to 
an interpretation because I don't think what we saw is literally what happened. I don't either. I agree with you right there. Um, I What we have is him, Thelma and Louising it, going off the fucking side of a cliff and the van to his... When his brother looks at it, you see the white van flying through the air, wheels spinning, and you see the side of the, the sleigh just going snow, night. It's very Santa Claus, almost as if, dash away, dash away, <laughs> dash away all. And it's Santa Claus, you know, as he rose out of sight, Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And the van illuminates with this Christmas magic and he flies off into the full moon. Obviously, that's not what happened. In my opinion, what happened was that van went through the guardrail, flew through, had enough momentum. To fly through the air for that moment. So when his brother looked at it, yes. And the moon was illuminated behind it. And it was, it could look to you almost like for, ironically yeah. like a sled in like, the air in the and air and then, then it crashed and to then his it fiery cr- then it crashed to his fi- fiery demise yeah. i think but in harry in the the peak of fiery madness of harry's delusion as he was falling to his death he would have envisioned himself flying off into the night and that would be what his end would be because he'll be back again next year because he has transcended imitation and he has become the Santa Claus. And maybe the world didn't have a Santa Claus before, but it has one now. And and that's what he believed. And then, of course, he would hit the fucking ground and then the van would explode and that would be the end of his life. Yeah. Yeah, I think he might have even died midair. Really, I think just I with think the heart attack of realizing that he really truly was Santa all along. Yeah, yeah. I, I, people who have a hard time with this ending, I think it might just be, it's it's a too it's too literal a reading of the fucking scene. Listen, has there been some coincidences that could be interpreted as Christmas magic throughout this film? Yeah, absolutely. There have been, but. Obviously, no supernatural or magical thing has actually happened in this film. It's all very explainable. And so when one unexplainable thing happens, you'd have to assume that it is not actually taking place. Yeah. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. And I think that the the, the reality ends with the the uncanny scene Mm -hmm. of the fact that he has what looks like a sleigh on this van that's flying through the air, Mm -hmm. illuminated by moonlight. Yeah, and that's where reality ends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Credits. Quite the film. Very Christmassy. It's full of, it's chock full of very beautiful Christmas moments. So if you like things like seeing lots of gifts wrapped under trees with all sorts of crazy awesome ornaments, if you like the look of Christmas lights everywhere, if you like seeing many different interpretations of Santa, mm-hmm. from mall Santas to drunk Santas to stripogram Santas, what have you, um, you'll see lots of different types of Santas. If you like to see basically maniac in a Santa suit. Yeah. 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 That's, it's a very enjoyable film. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled you like it because I wasn't sure if this was going to, you know, float your boat. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It floats my Chevy van, if you will. <laughs> definitely does. What do we got next for him? Next, we have another jolly old elf with an axe. Uh, by the name of Jack Torrance, we're going to watch The Shining. We are going to watch The Shining. 
and I'm excited. It hasn't been that long since I've last seen this film, but I think it's high time that we mark the special occasion of our 120th episode with talking about The Shining. I've been rereading it and enjoying it immensely because that's one of my very favorite Stephen King books. And so I'm reading it again in a beautiful hardcover version that Chris had got me. I'm going to actually be covering it on typical books. Mm. So if you're interested in, in booktube and book reviews, um, I've been doing less on my blog and more on the YouTube channel. You had a, a release on the typical books thing uh, a couple weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah. 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 Um, a couple weeks ago, I'd covered uh, Zombie. That's right. By Joyce Carol Oates. A wonderful, wonderful, really wonderful story that ties into the next release, which will be My Friend Dahmer. Oh, you're going to do My Friend Dahmer. Yeah. This is going to be a typical books first because I've actually <laughs> read that oh, one. Oh, good. Okay. This is going to be the wow. first one that I, I, I'll be, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's very interesting. I'm excited. Yeah, good, good, good. See, we, we do this is what we're doing when we're not uh, weekly anymore. We do all, all these other things mm-hmm. like panels of blood. Panels of blood. Yeah, I wanted to say if you guys, you know, by the time we listen to this, it's going to be Christmas Eve proper. I wish I had like jingles, like little sleigh bells. We had actual sleigh bells at the house when I was a kid, like big old strappy leather rusted ones that were like <laughs> like sleigh bells. Real I like that. Bells. I like but I wish that. I had them to jingle behind you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you guys are interested, I did a Panels of Blood episode. It's the 30th episode of Panels of Blood. I can't believe I've actually made 30 of those fucking things. And what I decided to do was I decided to read Krampus, Shadow of St. Nicholas. And I decided to read the entire trade. I was worried that this was going to be over three hours long because when I was looking at the raw audio, it looked like a bit much. Two things came out of that, if you guys want some little behind the scenes. I realized that sitting down and reading an entire thing and then sifting through the audio, probably the dumbest idea I have ever had. It was so much work, (laughs) so much work, but I loved doing it. I even made an original intro for that episode of Panels of Blood. And it, and the intro actually kind of became my favorite thing about it. And I feel bad because I'll never really be able to use it again. But Until next Christmas. Well, the, 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 the intro specifically calls it the Krampus Christmas special. Well, damn. Yeah. I guess you screwed up there. I did, but I really uh, enjoyed it. And so far, the response has been really good. It, it's a... Uh, the fastest moving panels of blood that we've done in a while. So I'm really, really excited. And I thought it would be a fun way to get back into it. I've been neglecting the panels of blood a little bit. The end of the year was kind of not great for me. So I decided to take a break from that. But we'll be back with more panels of blood in 2018. And we'll be back with more dead air in 2018. Yeah, we sure will. Starting with uh, The Shining. And then we'll be hitting some requests and stuff like that. So oh, yeah, fun. yeah. We've gotten some cool requests. Uh, the Strangers, Magic. There's been some cool stuff that we've... I'm looking forward to both of those. Yeah, yeah. There's been some cool stuff. It's another year, Lids. I had a blast. Yeah, I did too. I don't know. What is this? 120 episodes? This this is going to be our 119th, and then the Shining episode is 120. Okay, that works out well. So 2017 is where we hit our 100 mark. We I started Panels of Blood. You've written way more stuff. You released Pray Light Eve 2 in 2017. Yeah, and I've, I've picked up a... Um... A little job, which I'll have to wait to talk about, of course, but I'm uh, 
a script editor on a future major motion picture. You'll find out more about that as it happens. But oh for my now, god. That's been the, the recent project. Aside from the Alucinor uh, elements of romance book that I have a story in. But I'm hoping to have another Pray Light Eve before the end of next year, because uh, Pray Light Eve 3 obviously didn't come out mm-hmm. this year. It's not slated for January, so don't get too excited. But yeah, probably next year, probably January 2019. Yeah, and hopefully by the time, the next time you hear my voice, uh, I believe January, I've talked to my editor. That seems to be the official release date for Princeless. Awesome. So, so that'll be something that you guys can sink your teeth into if you like to. If you ever want to read a book about a diverse group of teen girls going on some all ages adventures, that is where you can get it. And also, Teresa is coming, and the pages are looking hot. Chris Begarin is really knocking it out of the park with how this book is going to look. When will that be hitting uh, SplutterPitches.net? Very shortly. I was hoping by the end of December, but I've decided to alter it a little bit, not because we we could release right now, really, but what I want to make sure is that you're not waiting too long in between the next update. So I want to make sure we have a good padding. Ah, that makes sense. That and makes and sense. so that way we can release and it can also give Chris an opportunity to make sure that he is um, getting the pages where he wants them to. Because even though I'm writing this thing, his art and he's inking it and doing the lettering, he's doing a lot of work by himself. So this book really is his baby that I'm just helping to give legs and with the scripting aspect of it. So I want to make sure he's happy with it too, but I also don't want to rush him. Uh, So right now we have the first issue done. We want to make sure that we have at least the next issue done. So I'm hoping also in January we'll get our first drop, but you guys will know. And uh, I'm feeling uh, you'll be seeing some teasy pages coming soon. I'm feeling we'll see some uh, crazy Jack Torrance coming soon, too. A little bit of Danny and a little bit of Red Rum. Red Rum. (laughs) That is one thing that I wanted to mention uh, at the top of the show that I forgot to, as far as our postmortem. With our previous episode, we mentioned my Raynaud's disorder and my heated gloves and heated insoles. And I had neglected to mention for anyone that would be interested the gloves themselves are Verseo brand gloves, and they're the electric gloves that are recommended by the Raynaud's Society in the UK. And the th- heated insoles are thermosoles. And you can get ones that are remote. I do highly recommend that because I don't mind the ones I have that don't have the remote, but it would have been so much easier to just have a remote. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if, my boots. If, if, if my understanding is correct, it's sometimes you're okay, but the second that that naked flesh gets hit with the cold it's kind of almost impossible to warm it back up and that's the problem because i could keep getting colder and colder and my hands aren't going to warm up no matter what i do until i return to an indoor temperature Mm. um if i can keep them warm they stay warm it's Mm. fine if those uh little tiny capillaries never do constrict once then they stay perfectly fine and functional Mm -hmm. and i have a normal body temperature but as soon as they constrict they tend to stay that way Mm Unless I'm in an obviously very warm place. I can't warm my hands back up by putting them in my pockets or warm gloves. Yeah, breathing on them doesn't help. Like, it's crazy. It stays for days sometimes, even when you are in in a room temperature for days and you stay bundled up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... uh, It's It's pretty much like in the winter, I can go out once a day. If I start going out more than once a day, then I'll, I'll just shiver all night and I'll have white hands all night and... 
it, it, you can hardly sleep with that sort of mm-hmm. pain, you know, because it is that constant pins and needles of your blood returning, your circulation returning. It, so- it sounds fucking horrible. And honestly, gang, it looks horrible, too. Like, it's not it's not like a fucking, oh, this is Lydia's little malfunction. It's fucked up. I must seem superhuman to you. Oh, my God. Everybody does. <laughs> People out there doing things without gloves on. I just, I can't. I know yeah. I, I can't. And even in the summertime, if I go to buy groceries and I start handling cold produce, mm-hmm. I'll have an attack there. And I have to come home and warm up. And I might be on the couch shivering for an hour afterward and might have to have a warm bath to stop. Like, that's in the summertime that mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. Air conditioning is not my friend. No. Yeah. So this, these gloves again are what? What are they called? What's the brand? Verseo. V-E-R-S-E-O. Verseo gloves. And I highly recommend them, even if you don't have a condition, if you just are a big fucking wimp, you know. Yeah. They're nice looking gloves, too. They look cool. There's, it's not, sometimes, you know, you're trying to stay warm with, like, the Gore-Tex. You can kind of look like the Michelin man. But with these, you know, you still manage to keep your sense of style, which is always impeccable. They do have big batteries, which are bulky and stuff, but whatever. Yeah, true. I mean, yeah. I like them. <laughs> it's fun. Except that I don't like that they have a light on them so everyone asks me if they're heated or just says i like the flashing lights on your gloves because people are moronic um yeah so i kind of want to cover those with a piece of tape or something so that no one can see that they're lit because it's very annoying to have humans talk to you (laughs) one of my coworkers, he's got a heated jacket that he wears he's a receiver and so those those bay doors are always open especially in wintertime so he wears this jacket and it lights up over his heart and i fucking dig it because he's like he looks like iron man to me where he's got like the fucking like (laughs) core those have been recommended to me but it's not my core temperature my core temperature can be completely fine it's extremities only so that jacket would it would be nice and all sure i'd be like a purring little kitten until my hands get cold and i'm fucked yeah especially the way the human body works is the second that we start to cool down the 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 limbs and digits and all that are the first things to lose heat because all the heat goes to your center trying to keep your organs warm exactly and, and shit like that so yeah it's not really helping you at all no exactly i've heard tell that people with ray nodes can get an attack on their nose so their nose would turn white and blue and their nipples interesting very interesting but you're not there yet. Not quite. <laughs> and I'd like to see my electric bra. That would be cool. With the two, that two glowing points on it? Yeah. The day that happens, man. Double don't talk to me about my light up clothes. My God. Fun. Well, if you want to request a film, make sure you share, share our episodes and we share them too. You can go to our Twitter mm-hmm. to do both of those things. Share our show or make a request or just say hi. Just say hi. You can find us on SoundCloud or iTunes. Uh, you can leave a review on iTunes. That would be super great. Oh, my gosh, yes. On Twitter, you can find me at Wes Deadair Nipe. That's Nipe with a K, K-N-I-P-E. And uh, you can find me on Instagram, too. I said it's dead underscore air 83. And that's where you can find me on Instagram, too, because I'm fairly active on Instagram as well. I love to take uh, pictures of the shit that I'm watching. If you're interested in what my horror collection looks like, I take a lot of snapshots of not only myself, but uh, the covers for all the movies that I like to watch. So you can creep what I'm actually watching while I'm watching it. If Facebook's more your thing, there is a Splatter Pictures Better podcast Facebook as well. And of course, you can always click on the donate button. Oh, my God, especially this time of year. Mm, love that holiday spirit. <laughs> so, yeah, SplatterFitchers.net pretty much is the is the one-stop shop. I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. Hey, 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 hey.
Santa for bringing happiness to the children of mine. And the Christmas spirit to all of us. Ho, ho, ho!